have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight. One of the most prominent voices during the civil rights movement during the 60s was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He championed much more than black rights. Dr. King demanded economic justice for all people, especially the poor. As a result, he garnered the respect of people across the country and around the world, including Representative Stephanie T. Bolden, who went to the March on Washington in August of 1963. That was very moving and uplifting for me to see so many people uh, there during that time and, and to hear the message. Now, we weren't up close, we were way in back, but you could hear everything. That speech and the legacy of Dr. King lives on through many, including the members of the Delaware Legislative Black Caucus, Representatives Kendra Johnson, Larry Lambert, Ray Moore, and Sherry Dorsey Walker all talk about why Dr. King, as a powerful civil rights leader, has made an everlasting impression on them to this day. From the Delaware House Democratic Caucus, you're listening to Whip Count. I'd like to take this time to introduce Representative Kendra Johnson to Whip Count. We always enjoy hearing from you, and this time we're discussing Dr. Martin Luther King. You know, to serve is to help carry on Dr. Martin Luther King's legacy of peace and social justice. And one of the quotes that stands out to me is, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. What does that quote mean to you, just hearing it? I wow I, I it's it's one of my favorite quotes because when I think about service to others being of service to others doesn't doesn't mean that you have to have a, a PhD or, or a master's degree or any of that you just have to have the heart and the desire to serve, you know. And when I also think about that, you know, I think about servant leadership mm. and, and what that means, that I am here to serve you, yet to lead you at the same time. So it, it, it's inspiring, actually, because when you think about well, I think about what we're experiencing right now during this pandemic, during COVID, and all of the the people in the community who have come together to help one another in service, be it uh, having a, a food drive, a coat drive, you know, helping their neighbors. They are being of service to one another, and, and, and service is everything and I think it just really shows who an individual is, who you are at your core when you are at when you are serving others. And and regardless of the, the capacity, but you have the heart and the desire to serve others. And it just it makes me feel good. I am passionate about serving. That's just who I am and I just 
committed myself to always doing the greater good and being of service to people whenever, however I can be. You know, some of the struggles Martin Luther King and other civil rights leaders have faced throughout history, we actually still wrestle with today. Do you believe as a legislator, the people in this society can ever live as brothers and sisters? Oh, goodness. I have hope that we can. One of, and I'll, I'll provide you with a quote. How about that? One, one of the quotes that I love most, and it is certainly resonating within me during this time, during you know, the 2020 and now 2021 have been, my goodness, just just things for the record books. We will remember this forever. But the, the quote is, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And I, I have so much hope in my soul that we all truly can at some point and hopefully in my lifetime, hopefully in my lifetime, live together as brothers and sisters and realize that we are all the same. And whatever happens to me happens to you. So that, that's hope that I will hold on to. And I believe that in light of some of the experiences, the, the social unrest that we have experienced over the last six months, that that is pulling the cover back on some of the experiences that people of color still have and fear today. And, and the beautiful thing about that is, guess what? For once, we're not alone in these experiences because mm. of social media. You know, people, these horrifying pictures have been placed on people's TVs and social media, and now it is real to everyone and not just a legend of, of events that happen in black and brown communities. Mm. Makes me think of so racism, right? That's how would you define that? Is that a public health issue? We we talked about that offline briefly, but yeah. what, what what are you, what are your thoughts? Uh, and I, I just think this is probably an appropriate an appropriate time to even bring bring up your thoughts on that and and why you want to take it a step further in the state of Delaware by introducing racism as what? Oh, excuse me. Representative uh, Melissa Minor Brown and I, we co-chair the Health and Welfare Subcommittee that falls under the African American Task Force. Uh, the African American Task Force was, is, part of the Delaware Legislative Black Caucus's uh, justice, let me get it right, uh, agenda, 
our justice for all agenda. Okay, so just to kind of set it up so you see where all of this is going. And in our subcommittee, when we think about the disparities, all roads lead back to institutionalized racism. Mm. So you can't begin to say, well, my goodness, why is it that uh, black people are experiencing, we'll say, homelessness or fewer opportunities to be homeowners. Why is that so in 2020? It shouldn't be. So let's have a little bit of history. Do you know why it is? All roads lead back to redlining. You know, it leads back to when our black men came home from the war and they were denied the GI Bill to purchase a home where their counterparts, white America, could purchase a home. Purchasing a home allows families to begin to build legacy. So all things are interrelated, and I can't look at disparities from uh, health care to education to housing and, and not see the direct correlation to racism in our country. It is all interconnected. And until we as a people, I mean all of us, recognize that truth, we will continue to spin our wheels. Yeah. And that was a part of King's vision. A part of his legacy was getting rid of discrimination, ending it, expanding opportunity, all those great things that would would help us live in a world where we could all say we're, we're, we have the same opportunities, basically. Yes. And... I am, I remain committed and I remain hopeful that one day soon, and again, in my lifetime, I want to see this in my lifetime, that we will all have the same opportunities, that there will be equity for everyone, because that is not how it is in this America. You know, last week, we all witnessed the beyond tragic events that occurred at our nation's capital. That is a prime example to me of living in two different Americas. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Because as we honor Dr. King year after year, it, it is important to remind folks that, hey, don't give up on having a servant attitude. We have yeah. to serve one another. Is there anything you want to add to? Oh, boy. Well, yeah, don't, don't, don't give up. And do not allow Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, don't, don't just, don't look at this holiday as just a day. We can 
all, you know, channel our inner Dr. Martin Luther King every single day when we go about the business of interacting in the world. You know, they say just be everything that you want this world to be, everything that you hope the world to be. Allow it to start with you first. And then just watch as it just swells into something absolutely beautiful, into a world that is of, that is accepting and a world that for everyone, not only equality, but equity. We can do this, and we can do this together without a doubt. Just go and, and be the light that I know we all are. I like to take this time to introduce Representative Sherry Dorsey Walker. Now, you're no stranger to community service and just being out and about. And we're, we're discussing Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We know that he dedicated his life to to racial equality in the United States. And so uh, what are your thoughts? What comes to mind when you think about Dr. King? When I think about Dr. King, I think about the sacrifices that he made for we people of color, in particular black people. And I think about that he gave his life so that we could live and live more abundantly. And he really puts me in the mind of the one who gave his life for us. And I think about the sacrifices that were made and it makes me want to work even harder to continue to fight for our community and to ensure that the fight for racial justice, but more so economic justice. Because it was interesting, Dr. King lost his life fighting for others. He was assassinated because he, he, he had a concern regarding economics mm -hmm. and creating economic opportunities, in particular for poor people and for Black people. And then he became the target of the government. And now it's interesting to see what has transpired as a result of the most recent election. Mm. And it lets you know that we have so much more work to do in this country to bring about equality, to bring about racial justice, and to bring about a level of understanding and the peace that Dr. King fought for down through the years. So it lets you know that there's so much more work that needs to be done as we go into this holiday celebrating all that he did for us, there's still so much more work to be done. Now, do you think we'll ever get there? That's the thing. I, I'm sure our grandparents, if you know, my grandmother has, she's been gone for a long time, but I'm sure our grandparents thought that we would be there by now. We would, we would be in a place that Dr. King had a dream about. We still have to continue dreaming because dreams do become reality. On January the 20th, the vice president will look like you and I. The, mm -hmm. We shall be calling United States Senator Kamala Harris vice president of the United States. So there's still, some things are happening, 
but they're not happening as quickly as we would like for them to happen. And part of it has to do with policy. And as a legislator, I get to see from the inside the work that needs to be done to transform the outside world. There's a heavy weight that's upon our shoulders. People don't know what it's like unless you are youth, women of color, in particular black women. Mm-hmm. When you help deliver for individuals who are running for office, yet very rarely do we see that there's reciprocity. So in this moment, this is a very proud moment for black women in particular, because down through the years, one party in particular has relied upon black women to help deliver victories. And you haven't seen black women rising to the ranks of leadership. So now we're seeing the work that Dr. King set forth, he and Rosa Parks and many others from the movement. So it's, it's a culmination of the dreams, but it's also having to work 10 times as hard and still not get those same opportunities that are afforded to others. And people don't understand what it's like to be a black woman in America, to be a black man in America. You know, it's interesting when you get in the car and your husband says to you, well, I leave the registration and the license and the insurance above the sun visor, just in case. When you're married to a man who looks like you and he leaves the house, your concern goes to, you start to pray with the hopes that due to what is happening in our country right now in 2021, Mm -hmm. that your spouse returns home safely. So there are people that never have to process like that. But me, as a black woman, this is how, this is my everyday reality. I have nieces and nephews over whom I must pray every day, just like Dr. King prayed over his children every day with the hopes that they come home safely and my nephews, as they get older, that they come home safely. My niece, now a graduate of Delaware State University, and the prayers don't stop for your children. Yes, I think we've made some inroads, but January 6th showed us that there's so much more work that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And I have a willingness to do that work. So I'm not pointing fingers at anyone else. I'm looking at myself in the mirror and saying, what more do I need to do to bring about the peace that we all desire to see in this great nation? Yes, because it takes it takes everyone being on board when it comes to change. Now, every year we honor Dr. King's legacy and we're challenged, right, as citizens to engage in volunteer services and community work. We can honor him not just one day out of the out of the year. We can honor him throughout our entire lives. We can. We can honor him with our daily walk, and we don't necessarily need just one day out of the year to do so. If we really want to honor Dr. King, if we really want to honor Rosa Parks, if we really want to honor our ancestors, then our daily walk 
and this is regardless of race, color, creed, our daily walk should be just that. It should be a life of service, whatever it is. See, a lot of times we think that, oh, I've done my one day of service and that's good enough until the following year. But we live lives of service when you're committed to making a difference in our community. And so while everyone is not going to be in the pulpit, what is your pulpit? Your pulpit may be being a healthcare worker. And in these times, that in and of itself is an outstanding service. Pulpit may be an educator, but whatever you do, do it well. So that for the next group that's coming behind, behind us, the next generation, that they will aspire to be exactly what they see. Mm, thank you. You know, I often when I when I think about Dr. King, I often think about, you know, how he dedicated to expanding opportunity and fighting racism and ending pretty much all forms of discrimination. And he there are so many great quotes that we can take from him. But is there one that that you can think of that really hits close to home or just it stands out to you? I have a dream. Those four words, I have a dream. The first time I heard those words, I'll I'll tell you this. Growing up on the west side of Wilmington and growing up in my household, we always had a portrait of Dr. King in our house. We always had the regular encyclopedias that our parents purchased from us. Mm -hmm. And then we had the black encyclopedias. And we had to learn something daily out of both encyclopedias. So while going to St. Elizabeth's, I wrote a script called A Dream We're Still Striving. And we put the play on at St. Elizabeth's. We didn't have enough Black students to play the roles of the Black people. Mm -hmm. So some of the Caucasian children, we didn't put them in Blackface, but they had to play the role of African Americans. And so I Have a Dream resonates with me because here I am, a student. I attended St. Elizabeth's all 12 years, and my educators at St. Elizabeth's told me, if you have a dream, work toward achieving it. That's the same message I received at home. So I had the reinforcement of my home life and my school life, my educators and my parents, my aunts, uncles, cousins, family, community, That's the thing that needs to return back to our communities, that our children can dream and they can achieve it, but they need the tools in order to get to that place where they can believe it. Because if you can see it, you can believe it, then you can achieve it. I love it. So I have a dream. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I know you have a day filled (laughs) because there's not a day that I think you have where you could just twiddle your thumbs, right? (laughs) Not too many of those days. I know. (laughs) But that's okay. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. You have this, this great job now where you can really be the voice for the people in your district. And so I applaud you for taking it on and doing so during COVID. I'm sure virtual virtual uh, community work can be difficult sometimes. So, You know, it's interesting because some of the work, well, actually all of the work requires that you're engaged to, to some degree. You just must use 
wisdom, yeah. socially distanced. But at the same time, when people are hungry, they still need to be fed. Mm. So when you partner with churches and you partner with the community, that kind of work, we can still continue to do it. The work where we need to be striving toward economic justice, we can do that whether it's COVID or not. Because when we're talking about economic opportunities for people of color, we just need people to get out of the way. Those who have had these opportunities down through the years, no one's trying to take anything from anyone else. What we're trying to make you understand is it's a whole feast. Everyone can eat. So there should be equity. So in, in doing this, in continuing the fight and working with the Delaware Legislative Black Caucus, as well as the members of the General Assembly, we can achieve the dream that Dr. King spoke of down through the years, and we can be what we desire to see. I'd like to take this time to introduce Representative Ray Moore. What I love about your story the last time I had you on is that you mentioned your father planted the seed for you to really get involved in community service. And here we're, we're celebrating the life of Martin Luther King, Dr. Mm -hmm. Martin Luther King, that is. What would mm -hmm. you like to share with us about Dr. King? So one of my favorite quotes by Dr. King is, if you want to be recognized, that's wonderful. If you want to be great, that's wonderful too. But recognize that he who is great among you should be your servant. That's the new definition of greatness. So to me, those who exemplify true greatness are those who remain unwavering in their journey to fulfill their passion for service. So as we reflect on Dr. Martin Luther King and what he gave us, his legacy to me is service. Yeah, it sounds like adopting and taking on a servant attitude. And so mm -hmm. you're in public service by way of your father who planted the seed. Tell us a little bit about your father and how he helped you to get involved in community work. Yes. So my the great person in my life was my late father, Raymond Senior. Um, he was he served his community for numerous of years through his nonprofit. He worked tirelessly as an advocate for those who couldn't advocate for themselves. And I was able to he took he took me along with him um, to his meetings. He let me help start organizing. So I became an organizer at the age of fourteen. So this, to me, was, is just natural. It was the understanding that service is not materialistic and that the actual fulfillment in service is knowing that you are doing necessary work that is bigger than you. My dad told me that. Oh, that's so nice. So do you often, do you have a picture of him that you often look at that just takes you back and keeps you motivated when it comes to doing for the community? I do. In my room, I have old newspaper articles that he had framed for himself. So when he passed, I put those in my room to just remind myself of the things that he overcomes in his life. And also, I also wear a charm bracelet on my wrist that he gave me, which is one of his last gifts to me. And it has a symbol of, you know, unity. 
So when you talk about unity, it's always about people coming together, no matter what you look like. And that is what Day of Service is about, coming together, helping your community, and just trying to really have projects and events that is going to grow your community and unity. That's so true. And something that Dr. King often talked about is uniting with others. Uh, we, we, we should work together. And so now you're working on the opposite end of legislative hall because you've actually, you're no stranger to legislative hall. Tell us a little bit about that. That is home. I became a legislative aide with the 2016 after working on the coordinated campaign with the the state party. And I worked for the, one of the longest serving reps, Um, shout out to representative Bolden, um, to the retired. And it's funny. I'm going to have to stop you there because you know she okay. goes by <laughs> Representative Stephanie oh, T. Did I forget Bolden. the T? Oh. You can never forget the T. <laughs> never. Oh, I know. <laughs> yes, no, never forget the T for terrific, for terrific. So, yes, I work for the Honorable Stephanie T. Bolden. Yes. And so you um, started there, and then now mm-hmm. you're, you're an actual rep. Yes. Um, now, it was no plans, you know, when I went, even when I came back to work for the caucus, it was no plans that I foresaw me running for office. I was okay where where I was serving in, you know, the background because I feel like those are the strongest players, you know, just advocating and just influencing. Then I got the call. So as we talk about, you know, what are you going to do for others? That was something that else that Dr. King said, and that was the most urgent question he proposed to people. I decided to run. Um, that's what I had to offer, and it was just really just set up in line for me to transition and, and just do something, do something that was bigger than me because there was a need for it. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know or can you remember of a time where your father would talk about Dr. King? Do you know if that's someone that he admired as well? Honestly, as I was sitting here writing, I don't recall him speaking about Dr. King or or even where his purpose came from about community and stepping up. I do know that he was raised in the South, and he saw a lot, and he saw things that didn't sit well with him. So when he got the opportunity to do some, something more for his community, he did it. Um, so I think it, for him, it pretty much was lifestyle-driven more than inspirational from someone else. But for me personally, it's, it's, it's about the direct connection that my dad, he planted the seed, you know, when I was younger, and now I'm the fruit. But I'm also grounded and rooted by the other public servants that have come before us, like Dr. King, Ida B. Wells, Louis L. Redding. Claudette Calvin, even Winston Churchill, you know, those are all dynamic examples of what it means to serve and doing something that's bigger than you. I'm glad you named some of those folks. Now, you are a mother and you have a young, young boy. He's about five, correct? Or or am I just taking a wild guess? he'll, he'll he'll, He'll be five this year. He goes to kindergarten soon. So, yes. Okay. So what would you like him to take? Now, I know he's pretty young and he, he just he's probably more into playing around at this time at this age. But what would you like for him to take 
from any day of service. I want him to know that it's his duty and his responsibility to better his community, um, to better his surroundings, and really to know that you can want change, but change starts with you. I want him to know that it's pretty much it, he, he has the power. I'm providing tools in his toolkit so he can go forth in whatever way he wants, but it's always about giving back. I'm just shaping him to be the best productive citizen for his community in whatever community he decides to live in. Wow. And anything that you plan to do uh, this year for MLK Day or just maybe, I guess, celebrate throughout the year because that's what your job is. You're the representative Mm -hmm. of your district in Middletown and you'll be serving until you're (laughs) pretty much all day, every day. I, I mean, I definitely would love to serve for a couple of years you know, in really putting the work. To that point, I have been serving. I've been serving nonstop since, definitely since the election. And it, it, it's not work to me. This is just what I do. So I will be volunteering with some organization locally here in Middletown. It's just so many to choose from, you know. So any last words, anything you would like to share to someone who they want to help, they just don't know how to help and serve their community. Call me and I will find you a project to serve on in some way to get involved. Last, but certainly not least on Whip Count, we have Representative Larry Lambert in the studio. Tell us, what does Martin Luther King's legacy mean to you? So for me, Dr. Martin Luther King's legacy has had a profound impact on my life, a profound impact on my community, as well as our country and the world. For me, when it comes to service, service is about what you do when nobody's watching. Service is about that, that act you do that really comes from a place of genuine giving and, and grace. So for me, one of the reasons why I give back is because when I grew up, when I, when I dealt with loss at a young age, there were so many people in our community that lifted me up. When they talk about it takes a village, um, I stand on the shoulders of those that have come before me, the generations that have come before me, such as the Honorable Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Is there a quote by Dr. King that stands out to you? Absolutely. Now, no, there's a number of them. <laughs> but, but the one, the one that stands out the most for me is, I can't get to where I want to be until you get to where you need to be. I love it. Now, tell me why, why that, that, why is that quote so close to your heart? So the reason why that quote. The reason why that quote is so close to my heart is because it really comes from that place of, of the village, of the tribe, of the community. So often, you know, where we find ourselves in a culture, in a society of me first, and everybody focused on me, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why this, uh, this past election went the way that it did. People were kind of tired of that of that direction we were going in. 
and for me, that quote is just really exemplifies Dr. Martin Luther King and what he stood for, the idea of I need you to be good, the idea of I am we, the, the African proverb of you are we, uh, I are we, and, and I just really love that. It's, it's that togetherness, that, that community that I love. What's your earliest moment, or not moment, but what is your earliest memory of Dr. King? I don't want to age you. You still look really young. (laughs) But, you know, for myself, my parents would always play his speeches. What's your earliest memory? So for me, it would probably be that classic I Have a Dream speech, that black and white uh, film reel footage. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was always just so inspiring. Like, I knew he was a great man, but then when you grow older, you start to learn the content. You start to learn how he stood up, how he started the Poor People's Campaign, how he spoke out against the Vietnam War, and you just learn so many new layers, and it's just so beautiful. It's unfortunate sometimes how Dr. Martin Luther King gets marginalized, and you can even hear um, hate groups uh, try to pimp out his legacy when they say things like, you know, um, you know, race doesn't matter. We should only be judged on the content of our character. And for me, Martin Luther King spoke about a lot more than that. What he really spoke about was justice, restorative justice. You know, what does a healthy community look like? What, what does a racially just community look like? And that's what his dream was. That's what his vision was. It wasn't to erase it, it was to build and to bring us all together. And, and that's what Dr. Martin Luther King stood for. That's what I stand for. Yes. Thank you for sharing. Now, every year people take time to reflect and think about things that they can do in their community. Is there anything special going on in Claymont uh, for, for Dr. King's day of service? So for Dr. King's day of service, there's always something great going on. And for me, one of the things that I do is I've taken my nephews to the Raising Our Kings event that happens in Wilmington. Um, They really enjoy that. I've enjoyed it. It's unfortunate with COVID and everything how things have changed a little bit. But for me, uh, I also find myself just helping our neighbors on um, Dr. Martin Luther King's Day of Service. So um, there's always a need somewhere. I'm always helping out somewhere. But it's really not about me. It's about we. And that's what Dr. Martin Luther King stood for. And I'm just so appreciative of all of the little things that people do, the, the little things you'll never know about, you'll never hear about, that just really make the biggest difference and have the biggest impact. And that's why I'm just so proud of the direction that, you know, our country's trying to go in. Just last week, um, specifically a week ago Wednesday, you know, we had one of the more challenged times in our history that's going to be remembered for centuries to come. And for me, I'm just so blessed to be able to focus on the positive, to be able to give back to my community and, and serve in the capacity of state representative because the need is strong. The need is great. And so many of our families have, you know, given to our community, given to our society, provided their labor and their sacrifices to to make America strong, but they don't see it reflected back in their quality of life. They don't see it reflected back in their compensation. We call people essential workers, but their compensation isn't essential. 
And that goes into Dr. Martin Luther King's poor people's campaign. You know, I stand up for the vulnerable. I'm, I'm the voice for the voiceless. You know, I stand up for the marginalized, the historically disregarded, as Dr. Martin Luther King did. And I think that it's important that when we really honor his legacy, we have to remember that he also was a vigilant fighter against poverty. I love that you're bringing all of these things up because it's a reminder that there's still a lot of work to be done. Absolutely. And so I want to close out with, uh, you said you had several quotes that come to mind when you think about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And just drop us with, drop another quote on us. The arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. I really appreciate that quote because for me, that's one of the ways that I look at the universe, the way that I look at society, so often people want immediate results. People people look at individuals like um, Harriet Tubman or individuals like Matt Turner, and they say, you know, you didn't get the results right away. You know, did they live in vain? You know, what was it worth their sacrifice? And for me, I, I appreciate that quote because the arc of the universe is long. No matter what you do right now, it still makes a difference. Do what you can, and it will work out in the end. Because we all have to do a little something. And if we all work together for good, then in the end we'll all be successful together. Whip Count is brought to you by the Delaware House Democratic Caucus. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dehousedems, on Twitter at dehousedems, on Instagram also at dehousedems. More episodes are coming, so make sure you're subscribed.